0: Welcome to the Humanitarian Incidents podcast brought to you by the Security Incident Information Management Project. Throughout this series, we've been looking at different aspects and perspectives of incident information and humanitarian security risk management. Each episode features humanitarian experts from Geneva to South Sudan, doing everything from research to operations. We discuss how better understanding, management and use of incident information can improve organizations' risk management and access to crisis-affected populations. This is the final episode of the season – What Happens to Incident Information? The Analyst's Perspective. With Francis Knopes, Security Operations and Research Analyst for World Vision International. Francis Nobes, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Great. Let's start first of all with you just reminding us exactly who you are and what you do.
1: Great. So uh, I'm Francis Nobes. I'm the Security Operations and Research Analyst for World Vision International Um, and basically that means that I form part of a two-man analysis unit and we look at different types of incidents and threats that uh, we come across in some of the contexts that we work in and how we can go about uh, mitigating those
0: risks. Okay, so what do we mean by analysis? Why is it important, and what part does incident information play in this analysis?
1: I think analysis is really kind of looking beyond the the raw numbers, especially when it comes to, to incident data. So, looking at information that we get and saying, "So what?" So, you know, what does this mean? Why does it matter? Why should I care about this as as an organization? And um, incident information really helps in that respect because it really helps us learn about our context. Um, It helps inform us about our own risks and vulnerabilities and also how we can uh, improve on that and learn from different incidents that we have. So that's particularly important because it helps us mitigate those risks better um, and that helps us protect staff and often the communities that we work with too. Um, And it also allows for individuals and organizations to better direct resources so that we actually spend funds in a way that has the most impact in terms of security response.
0: Can you take us through the journey of incident information at WVI from the moment a security incident happens and what role you play?
1: Uh, Sure, so an incident is reported on our incident management system, which is an online system that we have. um, And that's usually done by one of our field staff. So usually a security focal point or a manager. Um, And then the relevant people are notified automatically through that system via email. Now, for significant incidents, there'll be an immediate follow up between the person that's reported it and either a regional security director or one of our global security team. And that's usually in the form of a Skype call. Um, And they'll discuss sort of what's happened and, and next steps. From an analyst point of view, I can get involved at different points in the process, depending on the type of incident that's been reported. So... For example, for a significant incident, it might be appropriate to produce a quick situation report of the location that an incident has occurred in or a stakeholder map of individuals or groups operating in a specific area or to gather information about similar incidents that have occurred in the past, either to World Vision or maybe other NGOs, and that can give guidance to an incident management team or a crisis management team about how a situation plays out. So that would be for a a significant incident. For a less serious incident, the analytical role usually comes a little further down the line um, in relation to things like analyzing incident rates uh, and looking at how we can learn from these incidents. So we, for example, compile our incident data into monthly reports, uh, and we make sure that that's distributed to senior leadership teams within World Vision So that they can see any trends that we're picking up, any security concerns that we can see coming on the horizon. Um, And it also gives them some some management oversight of the security function.
0: I imagine you need to produce analysis at a very high standard, and you've talked a bit there about security concerns. What other type of information do you need to be provided with? uh, Anything that might surprise us?
1: Well, to a certain extent, it depends on what it is that we're looking into. I'd say generally speaking, it's the basics. You know, We're looking at who, what, where, why, when and how a different incident has taken place. I suppose, not necessarily surprisingly, but detail is incredibly important from an analytical perspective. So it's really crucial that we have timely and accurate and complete information. So having solid data means that we're able to produce much more certain analysis. So we're we're able to have much more confidence in the recommendations and the conclusions that we're drawing. So, in terms of what information we need for that, detail is is crucial. But actually, what might be kind of interesting from uh, from other NGO perspectives is that we also try and record two other types of incident data. So, we actually try and record what we call near-miss incidents, which are incidents that realistically could have happened to us but didn't. So, either because of proximity. So it could be in a building next to us or a road that we travel on every day to a project if an incident's happened there. Or, for example, if there's been an attack on an NGO that's very, very similar to World Vision. So it kind of could have happened to us but didn't. And then the second type is what we call context events, which are basically significant incidents that we think have a have a real tangible effect on the context that we're working in, and that might require us to sort of change our own procedures or actions so, as well as looking at our our own incidents, we do ask our field staff to try and report what we call these near miss incidents and also context events as well.
0: What can you tell us about the challenges that you face and analysts in similar positions what they might face
1: essentially there's there's three main challenges that analysts will face doing this kind of work. So that would be sort of the quantity of information, the quality of that information, and then how to process it in a way that's really meaningful. So in terms of quantity, it's kind of broadly recognised and acknowledged across the industry, certainly, that most incident numbers are underreported. So I'm sure lots of other NGOs would say that even within their own teams, they would acknowledge that incidents either don't get reported at all or are reported in a way that is uh, different than they should be. And as analysts, it's important that we have all of the information so we can see the scale of the incident. So it's quite difficult sometimes if incidents are not reported or misreported because it changes those data sets. And a good way of tackling that is Firstly, making sure that everybody knows how to report an incident. So who do they report it to? Do we have, you know, certainly within World Vision, we have um, a whistleblower hotline that people can use. Um, but making sure that the people who are responsible for recording incidents understand how to use the systems and so on. And also building confidence within staff that reporting an incident is not bad. You know, it doesn't make you look bad for reporting incidents. We want to know what you're facing so that we can we can help you. The second challenge around quality. Again, like I said at the beginning, we want really accurate and complete information because the more information we have, the better. And the more detail we have, the different kinds of analysis that we can do on it. So, for example, for a road traffic accident, if we know more than just you know the date of the incident and who was involved. We can do a lot more analysis that provides more detail, it's more useful, um, and it helps us see different trends. So, for example, if we know what caused the accident, what kind of vehicle it was, if other people were involved, what time of day it was, that all allows us to build a picture and we can learn more from the incidents and also see it in context. So it could be that we see a spike in incidents happening at night or incidents involving motorbikes or something like that. And then finally, the third challenge of kind of processing that information is we are desperate to have all of this information and then you can suddenly have the problem where you have information overload. So it's important that we're able to process it efficiently, but also effectively. And we try and do that by making sure that the actual information itself is good so we can filter it quickly. And then we can start to see trends and anything that kind of automates that filtering and saves us time is great, as well as being very visual. You know, lots of charts and maps and diagrams and being able to sort of see the numbers in a different way is a really powerful, uh, is a really powerful way to express that data. And sometimes it can be difficult to make sure that that's done properly.
0: I'd like to ask what success looks like in your role, and specifically in terms of decision-taking and security risk management. What can high-quality reporting achieve for you?
1: Having data presented confidently to senior management is a real asset, probably, I mean, for any organization, but... By having sort of the strong data sets and having produced reports that are kind of making sure that they're relevant and well formatted and really of a kind of high production quality and very sort of professional, they do have a big impact on on decision making um, in terms of allocating resources and, and time, and especially when we're in a situation at the moment uh, where lots of NGOs are having to be very targeted with their sort of financial commitments. So, in terms of what success looks like, I can give you a, a couple of examples of how of the types of reports that we've done and how that's that's had an impact on a, a tactical level, an operational level, and then more of a sort of corporate level. So. In terms of tactical influence, for example, we have produced a number of um, scenario analysis reports that have really assisted our colleagues in the field in terms of decision making. So, for example, my colleague produced a couple around both the Kenya and the Zimbabwe elections, and these reports sort of laid out several possible scenarios and identified specific indicators to see when a state had been reached and then triggers for certain actions to be taken. And by doing that, we're able to quite accurately predict the progress of these uh, these scenarios and the elections. And the senior management teams on the ground were able to assess how the security environment was changing and how to respond to that. So whether that's continuing business as usual, whether it's hibernating a project for a day or two, whether it's um, you know stopping certain visits to certain projects going ahead or whatever that would look like. And we also work very closely with our, our response security group to help them with country assessments. And that could be anything from routine checkups for our operations to expanding into new areas, to working with them during a critical security incident to give them information which might assist with their decision making. So that's sort of the tactical side of it. From a from an operational level, in terms of successes that we've had, um, we've produced some analysis on more sort of thematic security issues. And one of the ones that we've done is um, World Vision's Christian identity and how that affects our security in operational spaces. So we used a lot of external data to identify specific types of risk and where those were, were located geographically. And then on top of that, we can then overlay our own operational practices in those specific locations and see how we already were or could better mitigate the risks related specifically to our our Christian identity, basically. And then finally, on on a corporate level, some of the success that we've had certainly has been things around using both internal incident data along with external data from places like the aid worker security database and aid in danger to present really quite compelling cases to our senior management and executive to ensure that we've got appropriate coverage in terms of things like insurance, for example, because we can sort of confidently identify where our risk lies geographically, and then what these risks are, how they might need to be mitigated. And so we've been able to sort of have a direct impact on the decision making in different departments when we start talking about things such as that.
0: That's excellent. I'd just like to finally ask you for some words of wisdom, because (laughs) World Vision International is one of the bigger organisations in the sector with an excellent reputation. So that being said, is there any advice you would give to smaller, possibly less well-resourced organisations to ensure good incident information analysis?
1: Well, I think one important factor for for organisations really of any size is organisational buy-in. I think it would be difficult to have, you know, one person sitting at a desk and entering every single incident for an organization uh, into a system. And so it's it's really important to make sure that there's good buy-in at field level and that the information flows up to wherever that relevant analytical capability sits. So whether that's your security team, whether it's an individual or a group. So having that that organizational buy-in. And I think also remembering that the analytical process doesn't necessarily need to be you know fantastically complicated to be able to identify trends and um you know internal strengths and weaknesses and things like that so so not not to be afraid to start with something fairly simple whether that's just a a spreadsheet for example and then once you can kind of prove how valuable the analysis is, and you can grow it from there. And and that in and of itself might spur on the willingness of of organisations to to invest a bit more in the process, whether that's time, money, resources, whatever. But I think actually, especially in terms of for smaller NGOs, one of the things that World Vision certainly tries to do is use our advantages as being quite a big organisation to try and assist smaller organisations. And so, I would say it's important to remember that there are lots of external sources available to help you as a, as a small NGO. So whether that's talking to and working alongside bigger NGOs who maybe have more resources, but that's also help in terms of the actual process and setting it up, but also just external data sources. So whether that's uh, things like the aid worker security database the aid in danger incident data things like that are able to sort of help you benchmark and give you some guidelines in terms of incident data and also the the siim handbook from eisf has got some really good um, information about resources and tools that you can use to set up your incident analysis
0: well that's excellent francis Nobbs, thank you very much for joining me today thank you You can find out more about World Vision International at wvi.org. The Security Incident Information Management project builds the capacity of NGOs to undertake speedier security-related information management and sharing, thereby strengthening humanitarian response. And the project is supported by the European Interagency Security Forum, Insecurity Insight and Redar UK and is funded by EU humanitarian aid. I've been your host Robert Cutmore. Thank you for listening.